All right, so we um, are going to jump into our lesson. We have been talking about humility, and I'll just give a quick recap of humility. We've defined it as having a realistic view of our own importance. You know, we hear in the Bible, and it's true, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. We hear in the Bible, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, right? Um, submit to one another in humility. We hear these things and, and we tend to have an idea that humility means to abase ourselves, to, to, to think of ourselves um, lowly, not to be too proud, not to, and, and, and there's a place for all of that. There is a place for all of that. But what the Lord has shown us, what the Lord has shown us is that humility is not a virtue or a trait to use when we are comparing ourselves to other people. Humility is a trait and a virtue to use when we are comparing ourselves to God. So let me tell you two aspects of this definition. Um, first of all, having a realistic view of our own importance, one, in the sight of God, and two, in comparison to God. When we have a realistic view of ourselves in the sight of God, then that means we see ourselves as God sees us. When God tells us we can do something, we receive that as truth from him, and we begin acting on that. We place our faith on that. We put corresponding action with that, and we walk in the revelation that we are who God says we are. That's what Jesus did. The Pharisees were constantly telling him he wasn't who he said he was. He said that he was the son of God. And declaring himself to be the son of God said that he was making himself equal to God. And the Pharisees had a problem with that. And at one point, you know, when Jesus was casting out devils, they said he's casting out devils with the devil or by the devil. He, they just could not bring themselves to, to agree with Jesus when he said who he said he was. But he didn't back down because as a matter of fact, he ended up saying in John chapter 8, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe that I am who I say I am, you're going to die in your sins. Your law says you need two people to testify. Okay, that's fine. But understand that I am one of those people. The other person is my father in heaven. We testify of me. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't back down. He knew um, his, his importance because of what God had taught him, because of what God had said to him, and because of who God had declared him to be. Jesus was walking in humility. The second part is walking in, um, um, excuse me, having a realistic view of our own importance in comparison to God. The scripture that comes to me, it's not necessarily a humility scripture, but it says, it's in um, Psalms 100, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We, we need to understand that in comparison to him, he is the creator, we are the creation. We are not higher than him in that 
He's the potter, we're the clay. The potter makes the clay into whatever he wants it to be. At the same time, it's understanding that we were created in his image and in his likeness. And that we have received Jesus and made him our savior. Jesus and the father come to live in us and we're in them. And with John 17, we're all abiding in each other. So in essence, we are one with God. Is that saying we are God? No. Is that saying we are equal to God and that God is the creator? No. But am I one with God? Yes. And it takes humility to be able to say that. And all of that comes from learning the truth of God's word about what he says about us. So we've been talking about humility in this way. The first lesson we spent really looking at Jesus in chapter 8 where he, um, and I just described that to you, where he, he declared who he was and didn't back down from it. He was walking in humility. And then our next lessons covered um, how we see ourselves, how we need to come to understand that when God speaks a word about us, then that's what we are. That's who we are. That's what we have. And a lot of times what happens is we run into this, Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I can't do this. Or Lord, Peter did that. I can't do that. Lord, Jesus did that. I can't do that. And so in, for, in, in the name of being humble, we're not. We're actually being prideful. And we're actually being rebellious because we're not receiving the word that God has spoken. And last week, um, I had lessons all planned out and everything. And God said, no, I just want to have a conversation. And before the lesson, he showed me the whole thing. And I didn't know how it would happen or anything. But sure enough, it unfolded just the way he said. And um, Shalom was sharing. And she made a statement. She said, I am not righteous. I have been made righteous. Jesus made me righteous. And when I think about myself being made righteous, then I know that I did not do it myself. And I understood where she was coming from. And that's when God said, that's why I want to have this conversation. What Shalom said is absolutely right in that she did not make herself righteous. None of us can make ourselves righteous. Isaiah said, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But... Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in, that's um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says, Jesus is made unto us righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. We are in him. We have been made righteous by him, through him, and because of him. So if God has made us righteous, what does that make us? Somebody can answer that. Makes us righteous. It makes us righteous. So we are righteous. Walking in humility, we declare, I am righteous. 
I am righteous. There's no, and, and I think the distinction that Shalom was trying to make was um, the distinction between being the righteousness of God and being self-righteous. She knows I didn't do this myself. That's true. But in, in knowing that we didn't do it ourselves, we still need to call ourselves what God calls us. Amen. Amen. Does anybody Amen. anybody have any questions or comments about that? I'm laying a foundation because I'm going to pick up from where we left off last week. Now, the the scriptures that I gave, the scriptures that I as I was um, editing the video for this week, um, I went of course I went back and I listened to it and God brought out a few things. So, in making that point that when God calls us something. We are that thing. The Lord had me to use an example in Genesis chapter 41. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 41. This is where um, Pharaoh had set Joseph um, second in charge over Egypt. And just to get a little bit of background, we'll start at verse 39, but I'd like us to read verses 39 through 41. We're in Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to read verses 39 through 41. So when somebody has that, please read it. This is Deborah. Okay. Um, Genesis 41, verses 39 through 41. Yes. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so direct, no, so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Amen. So this took place right after Joseph had interpreted the dreams for Pharaoh about the seven years of leanness, the seven years of fatness, and um, all of that. And so that's why Pharaoh says, God showed you this, and there's none as discreet and wise as you. You know what? You're going to be in charge of everything I have. <laughs> the only way I'm going to be um, higher than you is in the throne. But um, I want to bring attention to verse 41. And Deborah, you read it the same way I read it last week. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. As I was going over the recording this week, and I heard myself read that, God said, Stop. And I did. And he said, Now hear it this way. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. God said to look at that word as a command. Because when, 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 when Pharaoh set Joseph over the land of Egypt, Joseph could have been like, but wait a minute, I'm just, you know, hey, I just got out of prison, or hey, I'm the young buck here, or are you sure, are you, even though God had shown him the dream, even though all of that, but you know, how, how, how many of you know, and maybe you don't, but I do from experience, sometimes we get right to the finish line and stop, 
Because once we cross that finish line, there's a whole new level of accountability. There's a whole new level of, 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 of whatever. There's a whole new level of responsibility. There's a whole new level because you finished that race. You've gone to a higher level now, and especially if you're finishing first place. And I'm, so this is part of my personal testimony. I have done that for most of my life. It's only in the recent years that I stopped doing it. But it's like if I was playing a game with somebody and I was about to win, I would literally slow down and let them catch up or I would literally, I wouldn't throw the game. I just wouldn't finish it. I wouldn't cross that finish line. And it was because I didn't know, really, really, I didn't know that it was okay for me to win. I thought I had to, you know, in the name of being nice to other people or in the name of, of lifting them up and encouraging them or in the name of whatever it was, I didn't think it was right for me to win. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Catherine, every time I tell you to do something and you don't cross that finish line, and what does that look like? Oh, Lord, I can't do that because I don't have, you know, all this other stuff like everybody else. Or, or no, Lord, I can't do that because then um, just whatever. Lord, he wants to do something through me and I stop at that finish line. No, Lord, I, I can't do that. Or, or no, Lord, um, there just isn't enough stuff in place. Or no, it, whatever it is, he has, he has prospered me. He has given me favor. He has provided for me. He has done everything. All I had to do was coast across that finish line. And I would always stop short and let somebody else cross before me. And he said, there's more than one way to steal my glory. He said the one way to steal it you're very familiar with is when you try to get, take the credit for yourself but he said another way to steal it is when you don't let me get my glory through you when you don't let me express myself through you and since then i've i've been crossing the finish line i hope i was clear in that but all of this is talking about that humility seeing or having a realistic importance, having a realistic view of our own importance in the sight of God. If God said, this is your race, you finish it, you go across this finish line, this trophy belongs to you, it belongs to you. Pharaoh said, amen. amen. Joseph said, see, I mean, sorry, Pharaoh said, see, I have set you over all Egypt. He had to see that it, it, and, it, and here comes that word alignment when god is telling us to do something we need to see and when we're receiving it from him we're seeing it with the eyes of faith we need to see what he sees we need to get in agreement with what he says we need to humble ourselves and say yes lord i am who you say i am i have what you say i have i can do what you say i can do i see and I'm going to keep focusing on it so that I can see it better, so that it becomes more clearly, so that, you know, the more we focus on something, the bigger it becomes in our sight. I'm going to focus on that, and it's going to become so big that all the obstacles are just going to be moved out of view because that focus just becomes so big 
and it takes up all the space. And so it doesn't matter what distractions try to come. It doesn't matter what obstacles try to come. It doesn't matter what naysayers say. I am now so convinced of it because this is the only thing I'm focusing on. This is the biggest thing I see. And I'm going to cross that finish line and I'm going to get what God has for me and I'm going to let him get his glory through me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, another example of C. This one's my favorite. I'm just going to go to it. it. It won't take long, but turn with me to Isaiah chapter one. I'm sorry, not Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter one. We'll look at verse 10. When somebody has it, you may read it. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Amen. So here we have it again. See, see, I have set thee over the nations, over kingdoms. Now, if we back up, Let's back up to verse four. This is God talking to Jeremiah when he called Jeremiah to be a prophet. Okay, so um, Michelle, will you start from verse four? And I might um, stop you along the way, but we're going to read all the way back down to verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Jeremiah said, not me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just a child. He called the wrong one. I can't do it. So he's not seeing the same thing God sees. All right, verse 7. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee with the Lord, said the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said unto me behold I have put my words in thy mouth hold on one moment all right so Jeremiah said no 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 I can't do it verse 7 the Lord says don't say that you're going to go everywhere that I send you and whatever I give you to speak you're going to speak don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. So what is the Lord doing here? The Lord is actually equipping Jeremiah or making Jeremiah aware of what he has. Because remember, humility, I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. 
I am who God says I am. So here, God has told Jeremiah that he is a prophet to the nations. He's already been ordained as a prophet to the nations, that he has God's presence with him, that he has God's word. And so we need to, when God speaks to us, whatever it is that he's sending us to, we need to know that whenever he sends us, he has already equipped us. And when he tells us, this is what you're going to do, I, I know we all do that dance and everything. Lord, really? Me? Uh, am I hearing you right? Am I? Am I? But I am so believing that the spirit of humility, glory to God, is infusing the body of Christ. It's infusing us right here. I'm believing that we are all growing to a new level of humility where we readily receive the word of the Lord. And the point of last week's lesson was, you know, because we spent a lot of time talking about acknowledging God's authority, taking, uh, making God's word first place, submitting to God's authority, all of this. And, and we've talked about God's word concerning situations, concerning circumstances, considering things, um, concerning things on the outside. But we also need to make sure that we take God at his word about us. When he gives us an assignment, when he tells us we can do something, when he tells us to do something, he's not going to tell us to do something that he hasn't already equipped us to do. Humility is receiving that. Humility is believing that. And praise God, he's patient, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's all that. Because here we see that he's working with Jeremiah. In verse 8, he says, be not afraid of their faces. I am with you to deliver you. And then the Lord touched him and said, I put my words in your mouth. God ministers to us. But then here's the command. So we're back at verse 10. Go ahead, Michelle. And I was, yeah, uh -huh. I read that word like it's a command. He's commanding Jeremiah, see what I see. See. Go ahead. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Glory to God. Glory to God. Getting our vision lined up with God's vision. And that's a way of surrendering to his vision putting down what we think, putting down what we think our limitations are, putting, putting all of that down and yielding ourselves to what God has said so that, what he, so that we can yield forth all that God has said. Amen. Amen. Okay. Does anybody have any comments or reflections? All right, then we're going to move on to Numbers chapter 23. We Last week we established, um, we looked at John chapter 1 verse 1 that says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So from that, we said that God and his word are one. God and his word are inseparable. And so with that, we can say everything that God does, his word does. Everything that God's word does, 
God does, right? So let's look at um, Numbers 23:19. And when somebody has it, you may read it. I'm going to want it first out of the King James and then out of the Amplified Classic. God is not man, King James Version. God is not man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Okay, so we've established that God and his word are the same. And um, so what we did, and I'm, I'm referring to last week on purpose, <laughs> okay? So what we did last week was we went and we looked at the word that says we have been made the righteousness of God. This word is the same as God himself because God and his word are inseparable. And now here in this verse, in Numbers 23, 19, we are reading that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. When we think of repenting, we think of that meaning, you know, to change your mind. And so God doesn't change his mind. The, the word doesn't change its intention in your life. But now let's look at it in the Amplified Classic, because this is something that I brushed over last week and the Lord brought it to my attention. Who has it in the Amplified Classic? All right, I'll read it. I, I can read it. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, God is not a man that he should tell or act a lie. Neither the son of man that he should feel repentance or com com compunction for what he has promised. He has he said and has and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Amen. So we're talking yeah. about God's word in general. And specifically, we're talking about God's word about us. Whether it's this Logos word in the Bible, or whether it's a rhema word that he has spoken, God and his word is one. God and his word are one. God is not a man that he should tell or act a lie glory to god that goes back to what i was saying in housekeeping too mm -hmm. and neither is he the son of man that he should feel repentance or compunction for what he has promised Ooh, i'm about to get excited slow down Catherine. okay so i looked up that word compunction does anybody know what compunction is all right i'm glad that word compunction get this it is a feeling of uneasiness or anxiety of the conscience caused by regret for doing wrong or causing pain. It is any uneasiness or hesitation about the rightness of an action. In other words, God doesn't promise us something in his word and then say, oh man, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, why did I promise that? Now I got to do it. Oh, why did I do that? They, they, look, they'd have messed up already. I knew I shouldn't have given that to them. He doesn't do any of that. God, God is not a man 
that he should uh, lie or the son of man that he should repent. And here in the King James, it says, or the son of man that he should feel repentance or compunction for what he has promised. God knows what he's doing when he calls us. God knows what he's doing when he assigns us. And just let me tell you something. God doesn't ever ask us to do anything for him that he doesn't do for us. God wants us to place full confidence in him. Guess what? God places full confidence in us. In other words, I know I've put my ability in them. I know I've put my desire in them. I know, as a matter of fact, turn to um, Isaiah chapter 53. He, he doesn't put full confidence in us like he's depending on us and if, it, and if we don't do it, it doesn't happen. He puts his full confidence, his full vote of confidence in us. I know they can do it. There's no doubt in my mind they can do it. I know they can do it. I put it in them. I know they can do it. That's how God puts his confidence in us. And I just want to read the last part of this verse. It's a very famous chapter talking about Jesus, how he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. I'm turning to the wrong chapter. Okay, um, is talking about Jesus's crucifixion, but it also talks about his resurrection and, and victory and all that. So now verse um, 10, I'll read it. If you all let me know you're there. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. All right. So it says, um, I'm going to read the whole thing, but I will emphasize the part that I'm getting to. Um, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, talking about Jesus. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and here it is right here, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Don't you know that when we are humble before the Lord, that the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in our hands? When God gives us a command, when he gives us an assignment, when he calls us something, he has every confidence that we can do what he has said because he has equipped us. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in our hands when we submit to him and receive what he has said, receive what he has given, when we receive it in humility. Because it's not us doing it. So a quality or, or something that must happen in order for us to walk in humility is that we must humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves, that's what we do. We submit, we surrender. We yield. And we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to put my thoughts down about this and I'm going to receive your thoughts. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to focus my eyes. You're telling me to see? I'm going to see what you're saying. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, regardless of what I've known from my past experience, regardless of what other people have told me, regard, you're telling me I'm going to see this. I surrender to what you have said. I lay down all of my other thoughts. That's how we get to the lowly part of humility. That's how we get to the lowly part of humbleness because we are not making ourselves low compared to other people. We're making ourselves low compared to God. We're coming up under him. And when we do that, that humility will express itself in relation to other people. But it doesn't mean, as my godmother would say, to take the low, you know, to, to always hear me, this is, okay, so just hear what's being said. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So again, um, when we think of being humble and, and don't think more of yourself than you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, that's right. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think when it comes to God. If God has told you to do something, don't think more highly of yourself and think that your way is better. Humble yourself before God. His way is better. You submit to him. A lot of times we take that and use that in reference to, to other people. And it's true. We are not to look down on people. We're not to think ourselves better than other people, but we are to think of ourselves exactly what God says we are. And if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you know that you are going to enter some circles where you declare yourself to be whatever God has said that you are, and people will laugh at you. They will criticize you. They will start to scandalize your name. Is that the word? You know, do whatever they do to your name. They will start to all of these things. And, and, and when that happens, it's not for you to say, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Or, oh, I was just joking. Or, no, it's not for you to be less than who you are. I was listening to Andrew Womack earlier today, and he said he had a T-shirt that says, I please God. He said that shirt got him into a lot of trouble, so he just stopped wearing it. <laughs> he knows that he pleases God. He knows that, but people couldn't take it. People couldn't take it. We need to think of ourselves as God thinks of us, regardless of how other people take it. But when it comes to God, we need not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We don't need to think that we know better than God. If we think back to our assignment concerning COVID-19, right? That's the natural pandemic, the spiritual pandemic God had us, um, has us um, dealing with is the spiritual pandemic of pride, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Thinking, okay, I know God said to do this, but I'm going to do this because my pocketbook is saying this, my business is saying this, my, my family is saying this, this, all these situations are talking to me. So I'm going to do what I need to do to make it work instead of depending on God who has already given me instructions on what to do. So let me bring it back to where we were before. When we take God at his word, lots of times we place the importance on taking him at his word when he's talking to us about a situation 
or about a circumstance or about other people or about whatever, but we need to, the, the Lord said, he just said it so strongly. He really wants us to get it. He really needs us to get it. I need you to take me at my word when it comes to you. I need you to hear what I'm saying about you. I need you to believe what I'm saying about you. I need you to receive what I'm saying about you. And I need you to be what I'm saying about you. I need you to take my word personal about you. Amen. And all of this, he keeps telling me there's something coming down the pike. He's not giving me details, but there's something coming down the pike that this is going to be very necessary. beyond just the right thing to do, beyond just having a victory, a victorious life in Christ, beyond, this is going to be very necessary. With all that God has been teaching us about the fear of the Lord, about humility, everything that we've been praying out over the body of Christ, and now we're having lessons where he's breaking things down for us, all of these things are going to be very necessary for us to have in place things that are coming and when we do hallelujah we're going to experience that sanctification that peace that protection that comes from sanctification and it's going to get to the point it's sad but it's just going to have to be we're going to experience the scripture in psalm 91 where it says only with my eyes will i behold and see the reward of the wicked that's a blessing. Only with my eyes, it's going to be sad to see, but praise God, we're going to be on the sanctified side of it. And he's giving us the game plan through all of these lessons. So God wants us to take him at his word about us. Amen. So, He's not a man that he should lie, the son of man that he should repent or have any compunction about what he has promised. Now, last week, the Lord brought this out. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Jesus. He said, so when I speak something to you, it's a promise. When I speak something about you, it's a promise. And even if we're connecting what he just said, that's why he can have confidence in it. He's the one who made the promise. He knows he keeps his promises. He has every confidence. He has every confidence. And if we'll just submit, if we'll just walk in humility, if we'll just humble ourselves before him, he has no doubt that his pleasure will prosper in our hands. We need to get to the point where we have no doubt that his pleasure will prosper in our hands. We need to get to the point where we see what he's telling us. But the scripture, uh, Numbers 23, 19, he, he's not a man that he should feel repentance or have compunction about anything that he has promised. And last week he told us that when I spoke you, I spoke a promise. When I knit you together in your mother's womb, I knit together a promise. Yeah. When I got you are a promise. You are a promise to me. Why? Because you are my inheritance. You are a promise. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We think about promises, things that we get from God, what we can stand on. And even the song in worship today, I stand on your word. I stand on your promise. 
My soul says yes. My soul says yes. Hallelujah. Well, not only do we receive promises from God, but last week God spoke to us that we are a promise. Hallelujah. So let's see what 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says about his promises. And I would like this out of the Amplified Classic, please. Um, it says, for as, for as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him, Christ. For this reason, we also utter the amen, so be it, to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. Amen. So usually we think about this, you know, the promises of God to us. Well, now let's, let's meditate the scripture in the context of God just told us that we are a promise. We are a promise to him. Oh my goodness. Okay. See if you guys can follow this. Holy Spirit just gave this to me. You know, a few weeks back we were talking about covenant. And the Old Testament covenant, you know, God made with man and God had to treat man according to how they behaved. If man did good, they got good. If man did bad, they got bad. That just so grieved. God, God never planned it that way. He never intended it for it to be that way. It became that way when, you know, at the fall. But see now with the new covenant with Jesus, God made a covenant with himself. So it does not matter how we uh, behave. That does not determine whether God is good to us or not. When we do good, we get good. When we do bad, we get good because God is good. That's God showing us his grace and his mercy because he is good. Everything is dependent on himself. Now, our part of the covenant is to enter into it and to receive it. When we receive it, then we get to walk out the benefits of it. It's the same way with being this promise. God, when he spoke us, he made himself a promise that he would get this inheritance. What do we have to do to fulfill that promise? Receive Jesus or, or receive Jesus, excuse me, make Jesus our Lord and then humbly receive. That's what this relationship is about receiving from God. And it's out of receiving from God that we allow him to live in us and through us and he gets his glory. He gets everything that he promised himself. Glory to God. And we get the benefit of experiencing the goodness all along the way. Experiencing the blessings all along the way. So now in this context that God says, you are a promise. You, Deborah, are a promise. You, Tamara, are a promise. You, Michelle, are a promise. You, Catherine, are a promise. Now, when we yes, look at this scripture, it says, for as many as are the promises of God. So we can even say, so as many as make Jesus Lord. As many 
as walk humbly before the Lord. As many are the promises of God, meaning as many that will come into this covenant that God has given us, as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him, meaning Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. We all find our yes in him. That's all there is for us, a yes. And then Paul says, for this reason, we, this is our part of the covenant, we also utter the amen, the so be it. God has already said yes. Now we come into agreement and say, so be it. We come into agreement and say, amen. As Mary said, the mother of Jesus, and I feel the anointing, be it unto me, your humble handmaiden. Yes. Yes. When God has given us his yes, when we give him our amen, we're giving him our yes. And now it says, um, so be it to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. God gets the glory out of our lives because we have submitted to everything that he has already put in us. He's already said, yes, we come into agreement. Yes, you can do this. Yes, you have this. Yes, you will do this. Yes, yes, yes. Amen, Lord. Amen. Yes, be it unto me, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Now God is getting his glory through us. And one of, the, one of my favorite definitions of glory is just the manifestation of God. It's the manifested goodness of God, the manifested power of God, and the manifested presence of God. It glory is God's show and tell of all that he is and all he can do. And he can get that through us. We are his show and tell. He gets his glory through our lives when we say yes to him. Because he has already <laughs> said yes to us or he, no, not even said yes to us. He has already given us his yes. Oh my goodness, I've never heard it like that before. He's already given us his yes. When we agree with his yes, glory to God. And this is why he wants us to believe what he has said about us. This is why he wants us to take him at his word about us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I think that's uh whew. Yeah. Does anybody have anything to say? Any reflections? I, I feel God saying that's all I'm to share about that right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So um, I want to switch gears just a little bit, and I want to tell you all um, just a little bit about what's been going on since we've been studying humility. And then you all will be free to share if you'd like. But, um, you know, anytime the Lord has me to minister a word, and you've seen it when, I, when we would do the prayer starters for interceding for the body, that um, I always say that we were the first partakers. When the Lord gives us a word to minister, I believe that we are always to be the first partakers. 
that we're supposed to minister not out of you know what we heard or what we read but out of what we've experienced so that we're not one of those do as i say and not as i do preachers <laughs> you know um or teachers or witnesses or whatever it is that you um however it is that you see yourself so this lesson on humility oh it's been more than a notion it's been more than a notion um especially when you think you're doing all right right you think <laughs> and that's probably <laughs> yeah so there's a difference there's pride there's pride but then there's like okay we're going to kick it up and go to another level you've, you've gotten it on this level now it's time to go to another one so um i just want to capture these last two weeks in dealing with humility last week meaning not the week of this thursday but last week oh my goodness i just say humility had its way with me i dare say i think i did say it in the bible study before last week and and i and i shocked myself because i don't usually speak of of the word this way and i and i don't usually see it this way but i i did i said humility kicked my butt that's what i said and i meant it i mean it just i just oh my goodness it was not oh and so um last week I, I felt like humility just had its way with me i felt like i was not defeated but i felt like i was on the ground i was pinned down and um probably all the time right because you're fighting it maybe there's some truths that you don't want to face some things that you don't want to see and while you welcome god's correction it's like oh 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 and it just and then it just got to be so much that what it did was it hurt and the reason that it hurt was not because I didn't want to give it up. And it's, yeah, not because I didn't want to give it up, but it hurt because I didn't know it was there. And I felt so ugly and I felt so dirty. And I just felt, I just, oh my goodness. And as much as I know, I you know, thank you, Lord, for showing it to me. Thank you, Lord, for your correction. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. I repent, all of that. It just made me so sad to see things that had gathered up that I didn't even know had gathered up. And so that's, that's what had me feeling just really ugh, last week. Well, this week, humility was my friend. Um, uh, almost like a friend that you wouldn't expect to be there. If you think about people who have this, that uh, they're just always arguing all the time, but when the chips come down, this one is there for that one. It's like the last person you'd expect to be there. It was that experience. And all of this is new to me. I've never experienced any gift from God in this way before. I remember the first time, the first time God, you know, quickened to me that I needed humility. It was such a sweet experience. This has not been so sweet, or at least not sweet in the same way. Okay. So I had an experience this week. Um, uh someone had reached out to me and asked me to write an article for their magazine this month and i did and i submitted it and everything and and it was fun writing it and, and i looked over it read over it okay holy ghost are you happy is this you know and everything was good well now here remember what i told you about crossing the finish line okay so now it's time for the magazine to be published 
she sent the article in its final draft you know if there's anything that needs to be changed let me know and i saw it and it was so beautiful the way she laid it out it was just so oh my goodness she said i'm gonna publish it at 10 o'clock tonight and it's like okay and i went to bed and i woke up and saw the email that said it's been published and i it's an online magazine so i opened it up and i looked at it and i started shaking like a leaf i was just like oh my gosh Oh my gosh oh my gosh i was like and i was like god was that just totally foolish what i wrote oh my god i mean it was like all this fear and anxiety i'm not going to say it tried to come over me it did come over me i mean i was literally like shaken and i was like i don't even i i want to tell her to take the magazine down i just wanted to because i mean and think about it it's a big accomplishment we finished it i published it you know finishing crossing that finish line it was such an uncomfortable place but then I remembered humility. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. And when I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, he gives me grace. And I said, so Lord, in whatever area this article is lacking, I just I just rest in you. I, and I felt just like this. I felt, again, like a leaf shaking on a limb and I felt totally, totally naked. Totally, there was nothing I can do, nothing. And I said, Lord, I'm depending on your grace to cover me. I'm depending on your grace to cover me. And I just kind of sat there and my eyes are closed now because this is exactly what I did that morning. And I was just sitting there. Now, I got to back up a little bit because when I woke up, you know, went to the restroom and, and the first thought that came to me, oh, you know that paragraph you wrote? You could have said this instead and it would have been clearer and it would have this, that, and the other. And then that's when the pit fell in my stomach and all this. And then I see the email that says it's published. I'm, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So now I'm sitting here and Lord, your grace, I'm just trusting your grace to cover me. Everything's going to be all right. And you know, you minister to the people the way you want to minister. Thank you for allowing me to be your vessel. And then he said, look at your email. So I looked at the email and I read the rest of the message. Hey, hey ladies, the magazine is published. If you see anything that needs to be changed um, and you get it to me before 10 o'clock this morning, I will change it. I was like, really? And this wasn't an error that she had made. She put exactly what I had, but I sent her the change that needed to be made and she put it in there. And now it said what I wanted it to say. And I felt so much better, um, but still the whole thing about the article, but I was like, God, your grace covered me. God, your grace covered me. I mean, that's like a tangible manifestation right there. That, that was, I just, I just let you have it and it covered me. And it's like humility showed up humility didn't feel comfortable you know i'm feeling naked i'm feeling exposed i'm shaking like a leaf on, and I'm, I'm just but i remember what humility does it just submits itself to god and says okay god you gave me the assignment to write that article you gave me what to say you told me what name to use you so that's who you say i am and i've done what you said i could do and i'm resting in that and I'm trusting your grace to cover me. And he did. And I felt so tucked in. Like I had a fuzzy wuzzy blanket with my fuzzy wuzzy socks on. It just felt so wonderful. 
And it was such a beautiful lesson in humility. And every way that I am experiencing it, when I'm seeing the ways that, oh, Lord, I didn't even know. Lord, I didn't even, oh, Lord, you know, and I just felt so bad about it. Well, now here's the chance to be humble and say, thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation towards me. Thank you, Lord, that you love me and you are pleased with me. Thank you. I mean, humility is just opportunity after opportunity to receive the love of God afresh over and over again. And I'm so grateful for that. And that's my testimony. All right, ladies. Well, I love you so much. You have a blessed night. Thank you again for being here. And we will see each other next time.